This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, before I read this passage today, I pray that you'll speak to us, Lord, uh, today, there is clarity in your word, and I'm asking you for this clarity that we might magnify and glorify your holy, righteous name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to bring you this message, the geography of faith, the holy there, the holy there. There's been some places in your life you've been headed to that haven't been holy. There's been some goals and, and some decisions you've made in your life things that you've tried to straighten your life out with that you've been headed into and they've not been righteous. They've not been God's plan for your life. They've not been the destination that God intends for your life. But there's a holy place out there that God wants you to come to. Now, the problem is the reason we can't get to the holy there is because we're too busy trying to make our destiny a reality. Let me say that again. We're trying to make our destiny a reality. And when you spend your life trying to make your destiny a reality, you're going to miss something that's key to having a successful legacy, to having a successful life, and that's having a good destination. You need the right destination. You need the right destination in mind because if you don't have a destination in mind, then, then you're just wandering around. It's like somebody said to me one time, they said, uh, they said, we're losing everything. And I said, well, uh, let's, let's figure out how we're going to get you to being debt free. And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. We're losing things. We can't get debt free right now. And I said, well, I can't help you unless we have a destination in mind. And I said, so tell me, what do you owe? And they said, I don't know. And I said, what do you mean? They said, I'm too afraid to open my bills to tell. And I said, I can't get you where you want to be until you examine the reality of where you are. Come on. It's sort of like saying for me to say, I want to lose weight, but I'm not willing to get on a scale. Come on now. You got to know how to measure the walk. You got to know how to measure the journey. You've got to know how to go from focusing on destiny to destination. And so here in Psalms 84, we find a very significant passage that's written into the sons of Korah. And listen to what it says. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, speaking of the Lord, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. I think this is important. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. I, I think it's important enough you ought to say that last word with me. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on a what? In other words, you're headed somewhere. Because as long as you're not headed somewhere, you're caught in a rut. You're digging a hole. You're ending up somewhere in your life that's not moving you forward. And God's looking for people who have a destination in mind. Who have a, a place they want to be. You say, well, pastor, I know where I want to be. I, I, I just want to be happy. That's not an end game destination. Happiness is an emotion that can come and go with one quick moment. It's an emotion that can be shaken in an instant. Happiness can be determined. What's this? Happiness can be determined by your bank account. Somebody doesn't believe me? You go to the bank and find that you've got an extra six figures in the bank and see how happy you feel. Somebody like, oh, no, no, no. You'd be trying to spend it before they realize their mistake. Come on, amen. 
Your happiness can be changed by a greeting. If somebody greets you wrong. I looked over yesterday, it was greeted by somebody in a car with a, an inappropriate gesture. And I thought about it for a moment. I didn't say anything to anybody else in the, in the car. Somebody pointed out who was in this car. I looked to my left, saw him, smiled, and, and, and they, they waved at me. I, well, it really wasn't waving, but you know what I'm saying. And I thought to myself, I can let that change the atmosphere of what we're doing, or I can just realize that doesn't have the right to take away my happiness for this moment. It doesn't have the right to take away my peace for this moment. And though I maybe got quiet for a few moments, I did not allow that to take away my destination because I was headed to a better place. I was headed to a good moment. I was headed to a healthy destination. Let me just go ahead and tell you that in our lives as a church, we have lost something significant. Now, I'm not saying we have to go back in time, but I'm saying that we've got to remember a joy that was put in place for a certain reason. And that joy is this, that, that in the 1900s during the Depression era, a lot of songs came out that said, said phrases like this. And, and some of you won't, don't want to say this last word, but it'd say, when we all get over yonder. All my northerners won't say that word with me. Come on now. When we all get over where? There, come on. When we all get over yonder, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Now think about it for just a moment. We, we used to sing songs like, some glad morning. What would happen? The dead would rise and what are we, we're going to fly away to ever be with the Lord. We would sing songs about when, when we all get home, a Beulah land and promised lands and all these things that were ahead of us. Why? Because the people were, listen to me now, they were going through a struggle. Of, uh, they didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough finance. They didn't know if there was a tomorrow. And because they were going through a struggle, they didn't know uh, what was going to happen tomorrow. But what could not change, I feel what I'm about to say to you, what could not change was their destination. Hell might have risen up in their present, but their destination was settled by the blood of Jesus Christ. Their destination was settled on a hill called Calvary. And so they could look up and say, I don't know what's happening around me, but here's what I know. That ahead of me is a street of gold. Ahead of me is a gate of pearl. Ahead of me is a is an a, a, a emerald sea. Ahead of me is a throne. But he that sits on the throne, he's high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. The world may be going to hell in a handbasket but heaven shall remain. Come on now, amen. Pastor Don, you feel like preaching. I've been preaching for three services. Y'all are going, what's he trying to say? And I'm going, put on the brakes till they get there. Why? Because in the last three services, I've lifted up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. I've looked to the one who is beyond me. Because if all I do is look at all the problems that are around me, I will grow weary, I will grow discouraged, and I will grow dry. But I have not come to his house this morning so I can talk about all the problems. I came to his house this morning so I could get with some other heaven-bound saints who would lift up the name of Jesus. I wish somebody would understand what I'm trying to tell you. Who would lift up the name of Jesus with me and say, Some glad morning we are going to see him face to face when he descends with heaven with a shout. Come on now. Oh, pastor. 
I want to see heaven good. But I got some news for you. There's some journey left to go. You stop shouting with me. Listen to this. The blessed are those whose strength is in you or their hearts set on pilgrimage. Let me just go ahead and tell you what your eyes are focused on and what your eyes are focused on is so important because it will determine the motivation of your life. I don't know why I share this story every couple of years, but I'll, I didn't share it in the earlier service, but I'm going to share it in this one. I'll never, never forget. I, Christine was running all these races and I, I thought I would just surprise her. And so I trained for a race and I, I mean, I was working hard and, 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 and she said to me later, she said, I wondered why you were eating so much and not gaining anything. I was like, what? Well, hold on a minute. And so it was Valentine's weekend. And so on Valentine's weekend, I, 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 I gave her the, the news that the next morning that we, come on, we would be running a race together. I had gone out and bought a race running outfit. I looked the part. Come on now. Some of you are trying to imagine that. Don't just listen. That was about a hundred pounds ago. But listen, I looked the part. I was excited. We're going to run. I didn't know that it was a, it was a, a race that was uh, uh, uphill both ways. Come on now. Amen. And so I tell her, and she's all excited. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. And I'll never forget. She was so thrilled. We started out running that morning and she's just pacing her. So she's being so, so kind to me. We're running along together as we're running along together. I, I didn't realize when, when I signed up, I missed the parentheses that it was, it was bring your dog with you race. And I kind of looked around and this one person runs by with her bulldog and I said, I guess I'm her, her pet. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but we're running together and I'm telling you, I'm trying to look, I mean, I'm trying not to die on the inside, but, but when it's both hill, when we're talking, I'm not talking about a little hill. I'm talking about climbing stone mountaintop hill. And I am watching and she's being so kind. And I'm trying to look cool in my outfit. Come on now. Snot. Let me just move on. You know what I'm saying. And, and all of a sudden, they start lapping us. And the Weimaraners lap us. The people with Dobermans lap us. I was feeling pretty good until the people with the English Bulldog went past. I was like, I'm going to finish this race. Finally, a chihuahua ran past me. I said, oh God, I have failed. I'm trying not to die at this point. So all of that to say this, I fixed my eyes on the destination and I fixed my eyes on the Yorkie that was trying to pass me. I looked at her and I said, I may die when I get there, but this Yorkie is not going to beat me in this race. I think it was, <laughs> he won by nose. Come on now, amen. But as we were running, I found that every time I got past, I got more and more discouraged. Every time I got past, I got more and more in pain. 
and I didn't want to finish. And the only way I could finish was by keeping the destination in sight. Listen to me. I don't know who God sent me here to preach this message to, but somebody, life's been passing you and you've gotten more and more discouraged. Pain has been breaking your heart as things are happening that you don't know how to handle and you don't know why you're going through what you're going through. Well, I want to show you in the word really quick. Listen to me. Verse number six says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, this is so important. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. This is so important because you have to understand that the valley of Baca is literally is a desert place that is called the place of weeping. Now in Deuteronomy chapter number 16, God gives a command. He says, you will go up every year from wherever you are settled and you will worship and hold the Passover in Jerusalem. You will travel from wherever you are settled and have the Passover in Jerusalem. And so what would happen is people would come out of the wilderness of Judah. They would come down from the Galilee. They would come down from Dan. They would come from, from Natalii and all these different regions as they would come before they started up the hill that, uh, that would lead to Jerusalem, before they started that last leg of the trip that would bring them into Jerusalem. And I love to take tours to Jerusalem because we'll build people up as a, they'll be going, Let's, are, are we there? Yet? Are we in Jerusalem yet? And we'll say, no, we're up in the Galilee still. Or no, we're over here at uh, Caesarea Maritima. We're all these different places. But as we start up, we even play these silly songs like Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And all this, we begin to build the momentum. And as you come around that last hill and through a tunnel, you literally come up through a tunnel around a hill, suddenly Jerusalem opens before you and you people all clap and rejoice because they finally see that holy city Jerusalem and that's exciting and all that's wonderful. But stay with me for just a moment. Here's what you've got to understand. Before you climb that last hill, when you were coming through the desert from all over the place, you were weary, you were downcast, you were discouraged because you'd walked with your family through the desert. It's hard enough to walk through the desert on your own, but it's, it, it's harder when you're trying to bring the children with you, when you're trying to bring your relatives with you, when you're trying to help the aged with you. It's harder to get through there with somebody. But listen to what I'm about to say. Because they brought their families through that valley, all of a sudden they would come to Bacah. And Bacah was the toughest part of the journey. I thought I was done. I could see the hill of Jerusalem in the distance. But before I could go to Jerusalem, stay with me now, this is important. Before I could go to Jerusalem, I always have to go through Bacah. I have to go through that region. I have to go through that place of weeping. I have to go through that place of struggles. Why is this important? Because, watch this, I thought I had fought enough and now there's one more battle, one more storm. But listen to what I said to you. Their families were walking with them. It's important that you realize what I'm trying to tell you today. You are going to come out of struggles and it'll seem like you should be celebrating. But instead, there's another struggle. There's another battle just ahead. But you keep walking and you keep looking at your destination. You determine in your mind, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to turn away. Why? Because not only am I going to make it, but my children shall serve the Lord. My grandchildren 
and shall serve the Lord. We're going to keep walking. We're going to keep moving until they realize that what God has done in me is not something that can just disappear. I have tasted of the Lord and he is good and I'm not turning back. I'm not turning around. I'm going forward for Jesus. Amen. This is important. It's important because you need to understand that geographically speaking, here's a truth you need to get. To get to Zion, you must go through Makkah. To get to the place of blessings, to get to the place of peace, to get to the joy that is ahead of us, you've got to go through another valley. Nobody shouts about me saying you've got to go through another valley. Can I tell you, it's going to be worth it. Let me just say that again. It's going to be worth it all. There are times you may come through bloody and scratched and bruised, but you keep on walking. My goodness, I feel this. Because you can't get to the mountaintop until you go through the valley. You can't give true praise until you've walked through a place of pain. You will go through Bacah. Because some of you need to understand right now, you're either about to or you're in the middle of Bacah. You're trying to find your way. You're looking ahead and you're hoping ahead. But to get to the place of hope, sometimes it seems like that you just have got to keep on fighting. And you're like, I just need a breath. I just need a fresh wind. I just need, let me tell you why, how you find the breath, how you find the fresh wind when you're walking through Bacah. And it seems like there's one more struggle and one more problem. You lift up your eyes and you look ahead of you to the destination that is ahead. Can I tell you, I am excited about everything that lays, pearly gates. I'm excited about the golden streets. I'm excited about thrones. I'm excited about crowns. I'm excited about angels and all these things that may be waiting for us in heaven. But there's one thing that I'm more excited about, and that's to see the nail-scarred hands that were that were taken and bruised and wounded for me, to see one who died on a cross for me. I want to see Jesus. Nothing in this world makes me want to turn around from the one who would not turn around on me. The Bible says that he endured the shame of the cross. What? Keeping his eyes forward on the joy that was to come. You can keep walking when you get your eyes off of the pain of your struggle and you see the joy that is to come. Can I tell you what that joy is? His name is Jesus. He's the King of Kings. He's... I wish somebody would help me this morning. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the soon coming Messiah. He's the Redeemer of your soul. He's your ever-present help in your day of trouble. He's the reason that you keep walking. Why? Because Jesus is worth it all. Amen. Come on. Give God a praise like he deserves. <laughs> Pastor Don, this sounds like an old school message. It's because it is. We want to teach on financial freedom, how to fix your marriage, and all those things. We, we address all those things, and God moves through all those things. But today, I'm preaching to you one of the oldest uh, truths of all, that you need to get your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you need to keep on walking. Don't give up. My goodness. You see, when you can't see past your next drink, lift up your eyes and see the one who set you free from that drink. When you can't see yourself past that next struggle, you begin to look for the one who's already redeemed you. See, this is important. Psalms 84, 5 says, Blessed 
are those whose strength is in you. That, that didn't come from nowhere. That came out of Exodus chapter 15 when Moses said, let me give you a song of praise. And the people of Israel said, we don't want a song of praise. We want, we want to murmur and complain. So God said, if you won't take a song of praise, I'll send a plague to your tent. Listen to me. Some of you, you have been through so much. I get it. There have been times in our lives we, we've looked at each other and said, have we not been faithful through this storm? You've been through so much, but you keep on moving. Turn what you've been through into a praise because if you don't, it'll turn into a plague. The Bible says that he sent quail because they murmured and complained because they didn't have meat. I can only imagine what would he have sent if they started praising? What would have happened if they started rejoicing? We all face storms. We all face trials. But we all have the reason to rejoice. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel what I'm about to say to you. This is so important. I want you to understand that the, that this statement Blessed are those whose strength is in you became the theological foundation for almost every song of praise in your scripture. It even is the very foundation of, I, I didn't make, I did, this is, this is understood in, in Judaism. It, it became the foundation of Psalms 84. It became the foundation of Isaiah 40 and 31. Some of you know that verse and don't even know it because you got pictures of eagles everywhere. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and, and not faint. That here, what we have is a foundational truth that's built on a song of praise. He says those who wait, those who don't complain, those who don't try to get out of it, and those who don't try to stop where they are, but those, watch this, who literally bind themselves unto the Lord. The word wait here literally means to attach yourself unto the Lord, to bind yourself unto the Lord. The best way to describe that is when you find somebody that you fall in love with, you ask them to marry, you're asking them to bind bind themselves to you, to tie themselves to you. And you make pledges like this, where you go, I will go. Uh, that I shall be flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. In other words, we're going to become one. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like I told that lady right there when I made that commitment to her. I said, wait a minute, I need you to understand something. If you ever want to leave me, I need you to wait long enough for me to finish packing because I'm going with you. I'm coming with you. That's the way it needs to be with the Lord, that I have tied myself to Jesus. I have tied myself to him. I have become an heir with Christ, a joint heir with Christ. I have become a vessel that he can depend on, and I've tied myself. Uh, in other words, I've hitched myself to his wagon, and as long as he's moving forward, I'm moving forward. As long as he's walking, I'm walking, and one day I shall be with him in heaven. Amen. Why do you have to bind yourself? Literally here, this is referring to what the vine dresser does. He says, I'll take the vines that have grown wild upon the ground and bind them to the stake. Watch this. And bind them to the stake so that they will produce much fruit. What happens in the good times of your life? You will allow your edge to grow dull. You'll stop praying. 
You'll stop reading and you'll stop passionately worshiping for yourself. But when you bind yourself to the Lord, he says, I'll get all of that dirt you've been laying in off of you. I'll bind you up. And when I get done with you, you will produce much, much fruit. God is good. Listen to me. I have a question that I'm going to close today. Are we binding ourselves unto God? Are we binding ourselves unto God? Or are we too busy complaining about where we're walking? Psalms 121 says this. I will lift up my eyes to the mountaintop. Where does my help come from? My help, it comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now let me stop for just a moment and just be. This week, I have two a year that make Easter look slow. They make Christmas around them church look like it's backing up. This week is the week that the station has a demand, the church has a lot of demands, the Bible college has a lot of demands, and the school has a lot of demands. And and and, and then in the middle of that, we've had tons and tons of, of people in need. I, I I don't I would be ashamed to tell you the amount of hours that we we and many of these team members work this week. But this is what I want you to understand. For whoever, whether they're watching or whether they're present, God dropped this message just right into my heart when I sat down to prepare for Wednesday night. And he's like, there's Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, but what about Wednesday? And he's like, there's Sunday. Which allowed me to focus on all those other things, but also gave me a confidence that he was in charge. First service, a woman whose husband is in dire, dire physical condition walked up to me. She's not been here in probably a year. Tears streaming down her face. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. See, the problem is this. You don't know what the person next to you is facing. Last service, that was for me. God brought me all the way from Alabama, I was told. And I'm not going to give up. You listen to me. Set your destination on heaven. Plant your feet in Jesus. And keep walking. And don't give up. Don't give up. Because the Lord is faithful. Stand with me if you would in this place. In a matter of two to three minutes, this, this service is going to be a thing of the past. But what we do right this moment is if we choose to ingest the Word of God into our lives. I'll be back in here teaching, Lord willing, on the uh, uh, this Wednesday night, teaching. But today, I have been trying to motivate someone. The way I watched coaches motivate their players on the fields yesterday. I'm trying to motivate somebody. You keep pushing you keep pushing. You keep going. Don't give up. You, it's worth it. It's going to be worth it. Bow your heads with me in this place.
It's worth it. It's worth it. The Lord has never failed me. The Lord has never let me down. Your children are watching your walk. Keep walking for Jesus. Your grandchildren are watching your walk. Keep walking for Jesus. There are people all around you. Keep walking for Jesus. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm either facing or or I'm in the Valley of Bacah. God's speaking to me. Can I just see your hand right where you are? Over two-thirds of this sanctuary's hands are in the air. You put those down. Some of you thought that you could fix the problem. But living God, I declare that right now that, that they cannot. All they can do is keep walking. All they can do is lift their eyes up toward heaven and keep trusting and keep believing and keep walking. Father, as they keep moving, you're going to continue moving for them for their good so that when they come on the other side of Bacah, they'll be able to say, look what God did through that season. Lord, you're going to bring them through. You're going to bring them out. And it's all going to be for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. How many thankful for Jesus today? Come on, give God a praise today like he deserves. He's going to bring you out. He's going to bring you through. In Jesus' name. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8:15, 9:30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.